Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 300. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and today I am thrilled to have Steve Olsher as our guest. Listeners, you've probably, well, undoubtedly heard previous guests and I talk about Steve just a few times in mentioning the New Media Summit, but Steve is also the author of What Is Your What? Internet Profits. He's the host of Reinvention Radio and the founder of creator, curator, what would you call it, Steve, of New Media Summit? Uh, at this point, yeah. Uh, well, New Media Summit, yeah, that for sure. I didn't know where we were going with that one, yes. So, uh, correct, New Media Summit, that is that is correct. Founder, creator, All of the host, above, yeah. Uh, lead dance dude. Steve, I would love if you would take us back a little bit before everything that I just talked about. What did you want to be when you grew up? And I'm not saying that either of us has grown up. I I don't think I'll ever grow up. But when you were a child, what did you want to be? You know, it's interesting. I I wasn't like one of those, ooh, I know I want to be this kind of thing. Yeah, I I definitely had a a bug for music and I did a lot of DJing and, um, you know, played drums for years and so on. So um, probably something something music related. I didn't know that. I didn't know you had a bug. But well, I guess I let me try that again. Did you know I you you knew I owned a nightclub, right? Yes. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. but I just, I guess I wasn't really thinking about the the musical side, which would yeah. be just a, such an obvious duh. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you take you... listeners who aren't familiar with you through a journey of your nightclub and how you got to where you are today. I know it's such a long story, but like maybe sum it up, and because it really is such it is such a journey and it reminds us all about how we can get through everything and anything yeah yeah for sure you know it's um it's been an interesting trek i mean i have this argument all the time about whether or not entrepreneurs can be made if they are not born um and for me i I just think i've always been wired as an entrepreneur so when when I was young, like really young, um, I was one of those kids that would grab a rake and, you know, try to rake people's leaves up or grab a snow shovel and go door to door and, uh, you know, shovel sidewalks and, uh, and driveways. Just um, just always kind of been par for the uh, course there to try to make a, a buck or two. Uh, and, yeah, it led me in a, in a lot of interesting directions over the years from... DJing in nightclubs when I was uh, not old enough to be in clubs and then old then not even old enough to own my own club but I actually owned my own club when I was 19 uh, that actually was a uh, was a non-alcoholic club so that's a whole other story in and of itself but I just uh, I've kind of always had this this bug to to try to figure out what is needed uh, and create something that that fills that need, and so uh, over the years, I mean, it, it's been real estate development, it's been catalog companies, it's been dot coms, it's been uh, writing books and 
speaking and uh, and creating events and, and coaching people, right? So uh, it seems like I've, I've done just about everything over the years, and uh, and some of it has gone really, really well, uh, and some of it, like you know, any other venture um, over the years, you know, you you may hit the bumps in the road, but you just keep pressing forward. Steve, when did you have your club, and was that in Chicago? Uh, so I opened that when I was. Sorry, I don't. Uh, I don't mean to put an age stamp on you, but there is a reason no, for me asking. No, it's all good. No, it's all good. So, um, so that was a long time ago. I mean, we're talking like um, almost thirty years ago. Um, and so I was nineteen when I wrote that plan and raised money for that plan, had vision for the plan, the whole nine, and uh, and ended up uh, opening it. I think just after I turned twenty, uh, but that was down. Uh, in Southern Illinois, uh, because I, I went to school at uh, Southern Illinois University at Carbondale. And so this was just actually right off of that in that area. And uh, and so I think I was officially 20 when it opened. But as I said, it was, it was a non-alcoholic club. Which I absolutely love, because I don't know if I've ever shared with you before that I went to school in Chicago. And I know that, that where the club was is not close. But I went to school for interior architecture. And while my a lot of my classmates and friends were going out, I would stay in because I lived in dorms where we got security check to get into our rooms. Mm. And if we were impaired, we were not allowed into our bed that night. Wow. Like we had to go find somewhere else. Really? That's just wrong. Well, they didn't want the liability. (laughs) So rather than go out, but I also have a very low tolerance for alcohol. Uh-huh. Rather than go out, I I would just stay in because I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't want to find myself on the L or on the red line mm-hmm. out in the middle of you know somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that would not be completely ideal. drunk. Yeah. And Steve, I've never shared this on the podcast before. When I graduated, I moved to New York to be an interior architect, an interior designer, and there was a party that I went to once one evening that was thrown by a carpet company and a a coworker and I decided that we were going to just have a sip, a taste of every drink on the menu, everything, everything, because we didn't have to pay for it. So we were young and dumb. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, there you go. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I wound up in the train yard in Stamford, Connecticut at two o'clock in the morning with no trains running back in the opposite direction. (laughs) That's funny. And I didn't know the address of where I was staying because I was staying with a friend. How horrible is that? So I actually had to tell the cab driver to drive to New Rochelle and just drive around until I recognized something. Oh, God. Yeah. Wow. That's that's frightening in so many ways. Yeah. But I've learned my lesson. I mean, (laughs) you definitely didn't see anything like that at New Media Summit. (laughs) Right. I found my way back to my room. Good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah, we um, we we will have to have like a, evidently we'll have to have a monitor or something at the event to keep an eye on uh, on you and, and and the others to make sure they make it back safely and then of course they can get up in time for uh, for the next day's festivities. Oh my gosh! Yes, listeners, when you are listening to this, and this is not like I, I want to go back to the conversation because it's such a great conversation with Steve. But when this episode goes live, you have one month left to purchase your ticket to the new media summit. The 
the premiere, what would you call it? The first ever event? The inaugural. The inaugural event was in September of 2017. And I have not heard one person, I have not seen one person who did not say that this was not the best event that they had ever gone to. That's and cool. Yeah. Yeah. You did a great job. Thank you. Yeah. We have a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, for those who aren't familiar with the event, basically, uh, we bring in awesome people like yourself who are. Uh, top podcasters from across the globe. So we bring in 40 of you guys, as we call you, the icons of influence. Uh, and we give a fairly small group of attendees, 150 attendees, the opportunity to learn from you guys over the course of uh, a few days and uh, really try to get a handle on how to leverage and monetize the power of new media. Uh, but the primary hook of the event is... Uh, we give folks the opportunity to pitch the podcasters on who they are and what they do and literally get booked on the spot. So it um, we learned a lot, you know. We definitely learned a lot from that first event, no doubt. Uh, and we're, we're doing some things that are different, you know. We'll, uh, I think we are improving upon the process. So... Um, it, uh, it remains to be seen, but I'm, I'm excited about our new format, which is similar but different. Well, I say, I think every single episode on the Positive Productivity Podcast, that positive productivity is not about perfection. But even through minor glitches, the event was still incredible. And well, I don't you. know yeah. if you saw the messages, like the, the comments that even the icons were having in our own private conversations afterwards, but we were on a high for three days afterwards. Oh, yeah. And then we just were like, oh, and I'm sure you were, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, uh, and look, there are uh, there's an actual term for it. I mean, there are people, uh, you know, who are seminar junkies, you know, because there's something about being in person, especially with the way that we're set up now. Just I mean, it's just getting worse. I mean, in terms of people working remotely and not being in larger companies where you where you see, you know, everybody on a on a daily basis. Uh and so for a lot of people, uh, those conferences are like their only chance to be human, like to get out of their own, you know, to get it basically to get out of the house, you know, cuz so many people work at home, right? So uh, I think that's that's a big reason why if a conference is done well, it can create that sort of need, if you will, uh, to do it again and do it again quickly. Right. Because it's it, a good event taps into not only people's desire to be communal. Right. And connect with one another. Uh, but also it really taps into. Uh, just the the need that we have as humans to uh, to connect on, on a more intimate level, and you know, intimate's a term that can be taken a couple different ways. I'm just simply talking about being, uh, you know, with other like minded people whose company you enjoy and you have fun with them, right? I mean, it kicks off, you know, all of the oxytocins and endorphins and you know all of that stuff that the brain needs and fires you know it's it just fires the good stuff right and unfortunately we we like i said we get so caught up in our own day-to-days uh that oftentimes we just we just don't get enough of that 
that stimulus. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm not talking about going to, uh, you know, a huge rock concert with, you know, lights and crazy this, that or the other in terms of stimulus. But, I mean, that can be intellectual stimuli as well. And, and a good event will be a combination of good intellectual stimulus uh, as well as more sort of emotional stimulus, if you will. So uh, that's that's one of the things that we try to incorporate in all of our events uh, is just not only, of course, the learning aspect of it, but uh, but truly the fun. Oh, and you did that. I've been watching Thriller with my four-year-old daughter. She wants to learn how to do it. Yeah. And I figured maybe I'll learn how to do it for the April event. Good. Well, yeah, you've got um, you've got the whole list. It's the um, it, it's Thriller. It's the uh, the Cupid Shuffle. Uh, it's the uh, it's the Wobble. Uh, <laughs> we, we, may, we may kick in a chicken dance again just because we can. Uh, and we'll, uh, we'll. I know that one. Yeah, right? we'll one down. Yeah, one down. <laughs> exactly. I think you actually did that one. That was impressive. Oh, I don't know, but I've decided I'm stepping out a little bit more outside of the box this time. Because, Steve, I had not been to any type of event before New Media Summit in close to two and a half years mm. since my since before my twins were born. Oh. Because I just I I found myself in my little entrepreneurial hole right here in Ohio, and I. I didn't realize until that how disconnected I was, even though I'm on social media and I have Skype calls and phone calls and whatever types of calls with clients all the time. But I didn't realize just how absolutely secluded I am. Mm. But uh, on that topic, you're a dad. And uh, the whole listening audience knows I'm a mom Mm -hmm. times like quadrillion. Sometimes it feels like Mm -hmm. what concerns or maybe I should rephrase that. Do you think we need to be concerned that our children are going to fall into the same secluded hole um, as they're growing? I mean, I see my older boys sucked into their their smartphones, and I know there's things that we can do about it, like take them away. But at the same time, they're not picking up the phone. And it's not just them. It's like all the kids in the community. Yeah. They're not picking up the phone and going out anymore. So if we take away the phone, we're taking away the so- social interaction that they have with their kids or with their friends, I mean, after school time. Yeah. But now there's online learning. I mean, my husband got his degree online. So it's a little bit concerning to me. And reality is that's, I mean, all you got to do is look at our kids, right? I mean, for the adults like myself, I mean, I remember getting my first cell phone, you know, like that's, that was something I actually went out and did and it was a new thing, right? Like, and that wasn't actually just a phone. So getting a phone that then had all of the apps and things to do on it, I mean, that was a whole other experience. Our kids will never know that, right? I mean, our kids grow up with this as if it's just a part of the extension of their body. So, what happens? Well, reality is that there are a lot of kids out there um, who don't know how to communicate with the child that is literally three feet from them because they don't look the child in the eye, because they don't feel comfortable saying the same things to person person they would say uh, via their their thumbs. And and so, look, I, I think our job as as parents 
uh, is really to find that balance and to, mm, for lack of a better term, police their their mm, device usage, right? I mean, I think that we have to step up to do that because they, they can't help themselves. I mean, all of the <clears throat> the pictures and the, the things that they see, uh, again, most of the time, those are going to trigger... Positive feelings in their brain, you know, whether they're looking at a, you know, pretty girl or a pretty boy, or they're looking at a, you know, a vacation spot, or they're looking at, you know, something that their friend is doing at a concert, or you know, whatever it is. It's like most of the time, the things that they're looking at are not reflective of how life is on a day to day, moment by moment basis, and so that's a challenge. You know, that is definitely something that is not going to get better. It is going to get worse. Uh, and so, especially when you live uh, in, in an environment where it's tough to do a lot outside, right? You know, it's I know where you guys are and uh, our friends in the Northeast and the Midwest and Canada and, you know, so on where winter hits and it hits hard. It's tougher to get out of the house during that period of time to connect with people. And so that's that's a challenge. I mean, even as parents, we don't want to do it either. You know, when it's 12 below, who wants to go out and and do anything and all that, right? I mean, it's, it's something we, we don't want to do, uh, but it is something we have to do uh, because otherwise we do run the risk of our children not understanding how to be social and not understanding how to really thrive uh, when things get tough because it's just it's so easy to just kind of get those those finger muscles and and stay, you know just just kind of stand behind the the wall of that device and it, it's going to be challenging for our kids to understand how to really interact with people on a human level uh, unless we teach them how to do it. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I and I've seen especially with my 15-year-old that he's learning yeah, he's he's learning his conversation skills from text messaging. Mm. And sometimes he thinks that what he texts can just as easily be spoken, mm-hmm. but it does come mm-hmm. out differently. So I've had to remind yeah. him. Yeah, no. it's a different language. No, you don't tell me LOL. He's never right. done that. But, you know, <laughs> it's a different language. Don't talk to yeah. me like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm realizing too that I'm well looking back at when I was a child. I remember sitting down on Friday evenings with my whole family and we would watch the TGIF lineup on ABC. Mm-hmm. It was like Full House and a whole bunch of other shows and ER may have even been on Friday nights at that time, I don't know. But now I hear more about what their mentors are doing on YouTube specifically gamers because that's what it is in my house you know what they're doing or the trouble that they get into and and i just don't remember these things from when Mm -hmm. i was younger yeah i mean i don't think that that's i mean that i don't think that that's an issue in terms necessarily of you know look if you if you have i mean we're, we're all going to like back in the day right i mean you know back back in the day yeah, we used to sit around the the radio, right, and listen to the the stories on the radio, and then we used to sit around as families and and watch the the TV, and then 
you know, it'll be a new device, whatever it is, as kids get older. I mean, we're going to get into this, I don't know, holographic and projection. And I mean, Lord knows what the, there probably won't be a device. It'll just be a place, if you will, that we, you know, we, we sit to consume this content, whatever that is, wherever that is. But it's it's simply a just in in my way of thinking it's just simply a matter of finding balance no matter what the technology is and so you know even if you're sitting around watching the you know the the TGIF shows or whatever it is as long as there is some discussion that is built into that and some sort of interaction between you that's built into that it still can be a bonding experience and and at the end of the day uh, that, that's really what it's all about is just creating those bonding experiences, right? So, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, that's what we're talking and about. Steve, I think it's going to be a USB port behind our right, ears. something. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking about the Matrix with the, the plug in the back of the head. I think that's a little bit too intrusive, yeah. but just a small USB port. I could use it a lot of the time. Yeah. Especially as I'm trying to write my book. If I could just have that USB port that could download it and write mm-hmm. it for me, that would be awesome. <laughs> well, you know, and, and, and reality is that we will absolutely evolve in terms of how we learn and how we create. I mean, there, there's no... There, there's no getting around that. that. That is an organic evolving process. And... You know, it was funny, one of the uh, first websites that I created, um, I don't even know how long ago, like, geez, it's got to be like, well, I created my first site back in 1995, so it's not going that far. But in terms of my personal brand uh, for like a Steve Olsher type brand, I think it was 2000, I don't know, five or six or whatever it was. But anyway, the, um, the, the graphic image was literally like my head with an, with an outlet and the tagline was plug in power up and that's like that was my head like literally what you're talking about so i, I think it's coming i didn't know that that's awesome yeah yeah you do a do a wayback machine you'll see it at some point somewhere on there oh i'm going to definitely how do you create what is your best method for creating deadlines <laughs> It's true. I mean, like I'm, I'm all about deadlines. You know, it's um, I'm not, I'm not great without like a a get it done by date. There's just, there's no doubt about that. And so, when I, what, what I'll do is if I create something in my mind that I, you know, basically I'll have a an idea of what it is that I wanted, like the new media summit. Right. Like that's a perfect example. The New Media Summit's a perfect example. So great idea. And you know what ideas are worth and ideas are worth, you know, zip. Right. Right. Without execution. So. So great idea. But unless I publicly declared it and unless I found someone to hold me accountable for bringing it to fruition and unless I actually set a date to do it, it wouldn't have happened. Right. I mean, it's just just as simple as that. So, yeah, it's it's really important in my way of thinking when I'm in creator mode to to have a date. It's just like like a product launch. Right. I mean, you know, you line up partners, you get people to support you. 
and you got to have it done. So to me, the the most powerful thing of all in terms of creation is the creation of a date. I mean, I think that once you have the idea in mind, the next most important thing uh, is, is to create that drop dead date of, of launch. Does it work that same way with your books? Uh, it does when I'm writing for myself. When I'm writing for others, not so much, which is why I don't do that anymore. Because <laughs> there was a point in time where I, uh, where, where I was writing for others. As a matter of fact, I, I still have a, a ghost writing project right now uh, that I am uh, in the middle of. And I, and I don't see myself doing that again unless it's a ridiculous amount of money. Um, that said, uh, writing... It it depends, right? I mean, if you're if you're trying to get a mainstream publisher, then you need to set parameters around when you write, how often you write, and uh, and meet the deadlines that they set for you. Because uh, if you're writing for a mainstream publisher, which basically means they buy the rights to the book, uh, you have to meet their deadlines. So in that case, yeah, I mean, it it does it does work. As a matter of fact, it's one of the reasons why you should get a publisher. Uh, because of the fact that you will have a deadline to meet to to basically get you know the the various chapters or manuscripts or book proposals or whatever it is done uh, that you're being asked for. So uh, if you're writing for yourself, it's a lot harder. You're writing for somebody else. Uh, in that case, if you're being paid for it, uh, it it's possible to make it happen. Steve, I need to let listeners know that you were the first coaching that I actually paid money for. I had mm. bartered in the past for coaching, but it hadn't gone very well. Yeah, And I signed up for one of your coaching programs. I don't know if you still have it, quite honestly. So I'm not, do you? Which one? The uh, Blastermind? Uh, so Blastermind I haven't done for a while. No, we uh, we put that on hold. Just because to me, it just, I want to make sure, like, if I'm going to be asking someone for an investment, uh, then I want to make sure that it's like an absolute no brainer to get a return on their investment. And right. So I'm not going to ask somebody for money unless that, unless that's clear what their return can be for them. Um, and so we started a, a monthly coaching program called Blastermind. Um, and the intention was to, to really help people on a monthly basis with their business dive in and get direction and so on. Um, and what I realized kind of quickly there is that people don't really necessarily want the information. They just want access to me and they want direction from me, which is great, but it's not scalable. And, and some folks were, were not getting enough time with me based on the, you know, the way that we structured it. Um, and so, so I'm still toying with that model. Um, but in terms of giving people personal direction, uh, at that you know it, it was 97 bucks a month, right? And the idea was we're going to scale this, we'll do more group and that sort of thing. Uh, but what was really clear is people just needed individual guidance, and so that just that wasn't scalable. Well, I have to tell you and the listeners that just based off the the quick introduction call that you had with me and I believe you had with every member entering. Mm -hmm. You told me based on that first call that chronic idea disorder, I should get an agent and a publisher. And I want to thank you for that. Yeah, that uh, was great. Because man. I actually have an agent and a publisher waiting for my 
first few chapters right now and my official proposal. Sweet. So that's why I had to ask about books mm-hmm. because I deadlines in writing this book are not wor- working for me because when I'm not when I'm not inspired, like when the thought is not right in my head right now, yeah. then if I look at white paper, it stays white paper. Right. But what will often happen is I'll be in the shower or I'll be driving or trying to get to sleep. And all of a sudden it just, it's like a baseball bat hitting me across the head. Like you better get up and write this down right now. And that's when the ideas start flowing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, um, and again, you know, I, I think that the, the just the fact and congrats on, you know, on getting somebody interested in what it is that you're looking to do there. Um, just the fact that you have someone to hold you accountable, I think, is, is a really uh, big step in the right direction, because this is I mean, the book itself is pretty much reflective of the process that you're going through, you know, because it's everything else that's going to get in the way of actually writing that book. <laughs> so it's all of those. Oh my gosh, that's so right. <laughs> Including the podcast. <laughs> right. So, you know, it's it's that it's funny, right? But I mean the the book itself, it's like, you know, in author land they say that you write the book that you most need. And that's where you're at right now. I mean, it's like the reason why the book isn't getting done is because you're distracted by all the other ideas. Mhm. <laughs> so you need to write the book. Absolutely. Yeah. And I actually, I have to just put this out there. Last night, a dear friend and and client introduced me to an app called Win the Day, and it's an extension for Chrome. And it has me write down my focus for like, for all a goal and how long it should take to reach that goal, and then daily targets. And then there's even a another part of it that will keep me focused for a certain amount mm-hmm. of time. And last night, I was using it while I was getting yesterday's um well actually today's podcast episode out and put up on the site which i know i shouldn't be doing but i still do it because i love it and i clicked on the the folk or the the focused mode and it blocks facebook twitter youtube pinterest you know all the all the big time suckers if you're not careful Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i decided i'm gonna stick with it for 25 minutes well i'm putting the show notes up and i realized well i need to get into facebook and I go over there and it blocked me out. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> it wouldn't even and I was a little bit resentful of the software at the same time. Mm-hmm. But I was like, this is awesome. I can find something else mm-hmm. to do. So I didn't realize. It, well, after that, then I went back to doing what I was doing. And I was like, oh, I should check on this in Facebook. And I tried to do it again. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be interesting to follow for the next week as I'm using it and beyond to see how often while I'm in what should be focus mode. That I do just wander over to Facebook or Twitter or Instagram because I'm not going to allow myself to mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah, it's... Or it's not going to allow me to. Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, it definitely is tricky. There's there's no doubt about that. And that's why, you know, sometimes we are our own worst enemy. Do you have any tricks that keep you focused during the day? Um, well... Yes and no, right? Um, for me, it, it it again just boils down to I have to have something in front of me that needs to be completed, and that's why. I mean, again, I know that sounds odd, but it, it's it's a matter of having enough things to do. It's a matter of having you know having a, a big enough plate where you can handle a number of different things. 
So, so that's how I look at it, right? Is what is most important on that plate right now based on the deadlines? Like, for instance, I will be, um, so on uh, a week from yesterday, I will be shooting the new videos for our Profiting from Podcast launch. Well, if you've ever done videos before, you know there's two ways to do it. You can just have a general understanding of what you're going to talk about and wing it, um, or you can literally script it and go from a teleprompter. And what I have found is that um, in, in certain ways, winging it works, um, but in, in a launch environment, having a script and having something that you actually follow is going to be much more effective, right? So uh, so in this case, I, I have to get the scripts done uh, because we're shooting a week from yesterday, right? And so uh, that will literally shut everything else off uh, between now and then, until, or at least between now and when it's done. And so, yeah, that's that's one of the things where just especially if other people are relying on you. And I think that's why I'm having a team and, and bringing people in to, to hold you accountable to some extent uh, is super, super important because you're letting other people down if you don't deliver. Right. And so when when I bring in uh partners you know i mean some some good size major partners here to help with the launch if if everything isn't ready from from a tech side if everything isn't ready from an asset side if everything isn't ready for that launch i'm gonna end up burning bridges right and so it's one of those things where you have to play a bigger game Right, you you have to play a game where if you don't do something and you're the only one who's impacted by it, you can still go to bed at night and just be like, eh, that didn't work out. But when you bring other people into the equation and now your actions impact their lives somehow or impact the quality of the relationship that you have with them, I, I think you're gonna make much different decisions. Right, you gotta know well. Going right to your book, what is your what? You got to know what your what is. And you got to know when to say no, right? Yeah. Yep. So that you can get that done. Yeah. Well, Steve, thank you so much. I know that we, uh, I, well, I just got to say, I so appreciate you coming onto the podcast. I appreciate all the opportunities that you have provided to me. And listeners, if you can be at New Media Summit in April or anytime in the future, I strongly encourage you to go and just connect with Steve in whatever whatever product launches you see him have because the content and the material is amazing. I can tell you that I saw awesome shifts and I've actually I'll put links in the show notes to where you can hear me talking about that um, in the show notes which you can find at thekimsutton.com forward slash pp300 but again S- Steve thank you so yeah. much. Yeah you're very welcome. Thank you. Where can listeners connect with you online, get to know more, get your your awesome resources? Yeah, um, I appreciate that. I mean, everything that folks need, including information on the New Media Summit and so on, uh, is uh, available at Steve Olsher, O-L-S-H-E-R dot com. Uh, and, you know, of course, the, the best way for you to get to know me and for us to get to know one another um, is to come and hang out in person, right? So 
Let's, uh, you know, if you can't make uh, the New Media Summit work and uh, in April, we actually do it twice a year. So I think the next one uh, will be in the fall sometime. We haven't set the date yet for that. But uh, I don't know if we'll be sold out or not by the time this airs. Um, I know we sold out last time about a month before, so we'll see where we're at. But obviously, we'd love to have you at the next one. And sold out would be an understatement because, I mean, I just... It was such a great event, listeners, that not only was it sold out, but but everybody plus a couple came. So it wasn't just like the tickets were <laughs> sold, but it was close yeah. to 100% show up, which is blows my mind. I'm going to have to learn yeah. lessons about that from mm-hmm. you. Technically, it was like... Yeah. Yeah, right. We'll talk about that another day. But no, technically, it was like 100.3% awesome. show up rate. It was... Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah. It was pretty nuts. Yeah. It makes me proud. It makes me happy. Steve, do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can offer to listeners? Uh, what I will say is, I mean, look, we're obviously talking about productivity. Uh, and so, well, we've been talking about a lot, but I know the focus of the show here is around productivity. So the the one thing I will say uh, is when you think about productivity and certainly as it relates to your time, you know, fact is, there's really only two ways to use your time. You know, you can spend your time or you can invest your time. And if you spend your time, it's a lot like spending your money. I mean, you wanted something, you bought it, and that money's gone. You can't invest it, and a dollar is no longer a dollar. The dollar is gone worse versus, of course, if you invest it, hopefully that dollar turns into a dollar ten or a dollar twenty or two bucks or whatever it works out to be. And so just think about that in terms of your time. You know, am I spending my time right now or am I investing my time? And most of the time, if you are creating something, you in, in my way of thinking, you're investing your time. And so the, the important thing to really think about as far as how you use your time is concerned um, is am I putting something forth for the world to judge? And if you're putting something forth for the world to judge, then you are in certainly what I would call that creator mode. And that creator mode uh, is absolutely invaluable, and that's where certainly the magic happens. But most of the time, people do not do not want to get judged by others and they don't want to put themselves out there and and open themselves up to the criticism but just remember if you don't open yourself up to the criticism uh, you're not going to open yourself up to the glory either so just keep it in mind thank you for tuning in to this episode of the positive productivity podcast When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level. (laughs) 